0: New, new, new black, new, new black Wall Street Book Club. Evan Jefferson, brother, much love. Educating, elevating, because in knowledge is the power and will never give it up. Literature is for the masses Where to put your money down a how to watch your assets Yeah, uplifting others is a passion My brother Evan, he will turn it into action New Black Wall Street Book Club You should come read with, with, us. Read with us Yeah, we comprehend and discuss yeah. if we all just come together There's no limit for the us, limit for us. Huh. Here comes your host New Black Wall Street Book Evan, Club. take it away Black Wall Street New Black Wall Street Book Club, <laughs> New Black Wall Street Book
1: Club. Welcome to the New Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. If you put it in a book, we absolutely will find it. I'm your host, ERGJ, your certified financial educator, CEO of ERGJ Enterprises, ERGJ Black Bazaar, and international best-selling author of the book, The Black Billionaire's Club. It's a study of black wealth. It's a study of the 12 richest black people in the world today and how they built their wealth. And I just believe that if you want to be wealthy, you should study. Wealthy people. We well, can find that book by going to the website www.theblackbillionairesglove.com. www.theblackbillionairesglove.com. You'll find that link in the description above or below. Comes out of the book Daily Motivations for African American Success. And our title tonight is A Chance of a Lifetime chance of a lifetime uh with our quarter tonight our quarter today it comes from a, a brother named john lee hooker who's a blues singer and guitarist john lee hooker was a blues singer and a guitarist and he says this and i quote we've already won what we what were the chances of us making it beyond slavery we've already won what were the chances of us making it beyond slavery now that's very interesting that that's the quote today we're talking about a book that we're going to read to talk about uh, escaping slavery becoming millionaires that's going to be next up and here is our passage for today our affirmation appetizer let's read uh dr hugh gloucester a uh, past president of morehouse college delivered a commitment commencement address before nearly two thousand graduates and guests uh, dr gloucester's remarks were charged with emotion and inspiration he spoke of the power of chance. Everybody put it in the comments the power of chance. That's very powerful. The power of chance. Now, when I hear this word chance, uh, one of the places I go is to the Monopoly board, chance. Uh, another thing that I think of is luck. Being prepared for opportunity is where luck really resides. Uh, the power of chance that I just happen to be at the right place, at the right time, for the right opportunity for, to, 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 to get my right desire. Now, everybody don't want to be rich, so I don't want to say that, but I just happen to be at the right place, at the right time, to meet the right people, to help me uh, accomplish my right desire. The power of chance. The power of chance. Men, now that you graduated, Dr. Kloster asked, what chances do you have? The same chance that anyone has. But it doesn't mean a thing unless you take it. Uh, sitting in these seats were young men just like you, aspiring leaders who ber- approached life with little more than high hopes and a briefcase full of ambition. What chance did they have? For example, a society took one look at a shy young writer from Jackson, Mississippi. The boy attended the city's segregated schools and was barred from using its libraries. When told of his desire to write, others laughed and said, No chance. But racism was no deterrent. Today, Le'Ron Bennett is executive editor of Ebony Magazine. And in his words that mold and shape the images of black America. And it is his words that mold and shape the images of black America. The power of chance and being prepared is the person who says, regardless of what I'm dealing with in this world, I know what I want, and I'm going to get what I want by any means necessary. Right? By any means necessary. See, racism was no deterrent for Lerone Bennett. Will you let racism be a deterrent for you? Absolutely not. Who would have thought that one of our own would direct the same city that withheld so many of its opportunities from him? With the green hand and he searched for employment, Maynard Jackson was told he had little chance because of his race. But fired by a lofty purpose, Jackson convinced Southern voters to take a chance on him, and he became Atlanta's first black mayor. Upon arriving in Montgomery, Alabama, the sight of women being beaten and children being bitten by dogs turned his stomach. Oh Lord, he thought, how could one human being do this to another, but turn an oppressive hatred into love? Fat chance. With no organization or influence, a young unproven Baptist preacher taught a nation to look beyond race. To look beyond race. Because he took a chance. Martin Luther King Jr.'s place in history is assured. Now here's the wonderful question that we must ask ourselves tonight. Am I willing to take a chance? See, too many of us, uh, we're, 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 we're scared of this thing called risk. It's too risky. I don't want to take a chance. But I want to tell you that if you refuse to take a chance, then you're going to get very little reward as it relates to leaving a legacy, which we're going to talk about tonight. So are you willing to take a chance, just like Martin Luther King did? Are you willing to take a chance, just like Maynard Jackson did? Or are you willing to take a chance, even when they tell you that you have no chance? Just like Lerone Bennett did. It's been said that the individual who never had a chance never took one. Success is never won by chance, but by choice. Success is never won by chance, but by choice. So in other words, beautiful people, kings and queens, you and I must choose to take a chance. Or we choose not to. Which side of the coin are you on? Now, here's our affirmation of the day. Here's what we want to allow to take root into our subconscious, our heart, and then we can grow and develop this thing by repeating it over and over and over again until it sticks, until it brings forth a harvest into our life. Here's our affirmation. A little long today, but we're going to read it and get this thing, okay? So repeat after me. There's no way to succeed unless I take a chance. There's no way to succeed unless I take a chance. Today will be the day I take my big chance. Today will be the day that I take my big chance now here's what i understand beautiful people as i'm talking about taking a chance there's something that's going on in your in your in your inside there's something that's going on in your mind as you are probably connecting what i'm saying to a chance that you know you need to take the question is will you take it so again as i'm talking about taking a chance you're probably connecting it to a space that you might have been a little fearful uh, or something that you're a little timid about something that you know you kind of need to do It's probably something that you should do, but you haven't quite gotten the courage to do it yet. The question is, will you use your power of choice to take a chance? It's a choice. You got to choose it. Let's read this again, this affirmation, okay? Repeat after me. There's no way to succeed unless I take a chance. Today will be the day I take my big chance. Today will be the day I take my big chance. Do you have the courage to make a choice? to take a chance daily affirmations for uh daily motivations for african-american success daily motivation for african-american success by mr dennis p kimbrough a chance of a lifetime a chance of a life a quick word from our sponsor. Don't just buy black, decorate black. ERGJ Black Bazaar is the Afrocentric marketplace, and we specialize in urban home decor. Anything from shower sets to wall tapestries to debate cover sets, you can decorate your entire home with original black art-inspired gifts. Check us out at www.ergjblackbazaar.com, www.ergjblackbazaar.com. E.R.G.J. Black Bazaar, the Afrocentric Marketplace. We make group economics easy. In today's episode of the New Black Wall Street Book Club, we continue along in our journey into the book, What Makes the Great Great? Strategies for Extraordinary Achievement by Mr. Dennis P. Kimbrough. What Makes the Great Great? Strategies for Extraordinary Achievement by Mr. Dennis Kimbrough. Well, beautiful people, we're gonna get right into the meat of our discussion here tonight on the New Black Wall Street Book Club as we are getting into the book, What Makes the Great Great? And uh, we are now now beginning chapter nine of this great book, written by again, Mr. Dennis P. Kimbrough and uh the title of chapter nine is the greatest story ever told the greatest story ever told leaving a legacy everybody put it down so leaving a legacy the greatest story ever told is leaving a legacy leaving a legacy now in this chapter we're going to be covering a couple different subsections one's called what does it take to become a legend i can't read that a living in the now yes you too can make a difference a new definition of greatness and it's time to fly okay and he always starts by giving us a few uh scripture on their quotes that can help uh helps uh, help solidify what we're going to be talking about in the chapter so let's get these four quotes uh the first one Uh, 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 for this chapter comes from William Ernest Henley, who says this, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. It matters not how straight the gate or how charged with punishment the scroll. I'm the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Here is quote number two, uh, which comes from Confucius, who says this, and I quote, I hear and think, I see and I remember, I do and I know. I hear and think, I see and I remember, I do and I know. Here's the third quote to help, sat, help, help set the tone for what we're going to be talking about in this chapter. It comes from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And he says this, and I quote, Lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. Lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime, and departing leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. And here's our fourth uh, quote from an anonymous source to help uh, help get us get our hearts and mind ready to receive the meat of what we're talking about here today. is from an anonymous source, and it says this. And I quote: "Well done, beats well said." <laughs> Oh my, that that that's it, that, that right there just says a lot by itself. Well done, beats. Well said. How many guys know some people who can say it very well? I mean, it sounds it may sound it be sounding great coming out of their mouth. But then when you look at the execution, it's not well done. Not well put together. There's something missing. Well done, beats. Well said. Uh, this is where you get the uh, the other quote. It says, actions speak louder than words. Well done, Beats. Well said. Now, what I find very interesting here, guys, is that many of us really need to pay attention to this. Are, are we the people that talk a lot and it sounds so great, but we don't actually uh, uh, execute that which we talk about? I know a lot of people like that. They can talk the good talk, but they can't walk the walk, right? They talk the good talk. It sounds great. They get people moving. But they, they, they don't walk the walk. Well done, Beats. Well said. So, the greatest story ever told, leaving a legacy, is what we're talking about here tonight. Uh, let's get in it. Okay, let's read. Osceola McCarty never saw publicity, fame, or fortune. Uh, she never owned a car, nor until recently did she have in air conditioning, which she only turns on for guests. She lives in a modest frame house in Hattiesburg, Mississippi that an uncle left near her nearly 50 years ago. She never married or had children. Her life is filled with nevers. She never watches television. She never ventured out of the South, and she never raises her voice much above a whisper. Miss Osceola, as she is known to those who are closest to her, walks wherever she goes, pulling a shopping cart to the nearest grocery store. All she ever really wanted was an education, but it was not to be. After dropping out of school in the sixth grade to care for an elderly aunt, McCarty spent the rest of her life washing and ironing the clothes of well-to-do neighbors in her small southern town living within her means and saving every cent. As a child, McCarty carries burdens that would have staggered many adults. Amazingly, she can't recall not working. For more than 70 years, her days followed a simple routine. She rose with the sun, drew water from an hydrant, and lit a fire under a huge black pot to boil white cotton garments, then scrubbed each item by hand before draping them across 100 feet of line to dry. Her day ended as it had begun, rinsing delicacy, delicates, then meticulously ironing every piece, pressing razor-sharp creases in the process. Initially, she charged one fifty cents a bundle, a week's worth of laundry for a family of four. But eventually, the fee rose to $10, still not much at all. She worked religiously day in and day out. All she ever had was her work all she ever had was her work which she saw as a blessing some of her neighbors however saw little redeeming value openly criticized by other blacks who berated her for washing the white folks dirty drawers and by affluent whites who consider her just a poor old washerwoman who lived alone She held close to her family, a few special friends, and her church. With a bundle of soiled clothes not far away, the silver-haired McCarthy kept to her chores and found a way to be of service. Since I was a child, I've been working, says the fragile little woman with a smile big enough for everyone. We'd get up early. When we get all of our work and cleaning up in the house done, then we'd go out to the wash house and start our day. We didn't have no washing machine, so we had to wash everything by hand. We scrub them all and throw them over into the wash pot and boil them. Boil them till the clothes get yellow gold and then take them out and rinse them. And you have some pretty white clothes hanging up on your line. In the mid 1960s, McCarty bought an automatic washer and dryer, but in a fit of frustration gave both away. After using them once, she found them miserably inefficient. The washing machine didn't rinse enough, she says, disappointed and the dryer turned the whites yellow. As the days became years, Osceola never got sick and she spent next to nothing. She does not mind that her tiny black and white television set receives only one channel. She's too busy reading her tattered Bible, bound together with scotch tape to keep Corinthians from falling out. From her vantage point, life has been good. She has few needs and even fewer complaints. But now the years have taken their toll. Over the past 15 years, all her immediate family died. Her movements are slow now, since arthritis has left her hands stiff and numb. McCarty misses more Sundays than she would like at Friendship Baptist Church. For the first time in nearly 80 years, her independence is threatened. After finding a good doctor and a caring lawyer, she finally retired. My hand was swollen up so bad that it was pitiful, Oziola remembers? It was my arthritis. It was all in this hand. That's the one I iron with. That's when I decided to make out my will. So, Osceola McCarty, it's a very interesting story because from her perspective, she lives the good life, right? Very few expenses, you know, day in and day out. But what's key here for me is that all she ever knew was her work. All she ever knew was her work and here's a question for you to consider as we are just kind of reflecting and thinking about Osceola because we're talking about leaving a legacy and when it comes to you uh, kings and queens the question that one of the most profound questions I think there is to ask is what do you want to be known for see Osceola uh, is known for washing clothes. Osceola is known for being able to get turned anything back white. Uh, She's known to do it old school, but she does it nonetheless. 70 plus odd years washing clothes. But for you, what do you want to be known for? Matter of fact, what are you going to be known for? See, there are some of you. see, See, when I go to funerals or something like that, you know, and they're always saying, you know, I think a lot of times we just say what we have glad tidings, which are good. But let's just keep it real. Can we keep it real today? Some some people are known for their bad attitude. We'll never say it because they're it by. But we will think about, man, y'all saying all that stuff in the pulpit. Man, that person was bitter. They were nasty. They had a terrible attitude. What are you going to be known for? this is your legacy this is what you leave to be remembered by you what are you going to be known for when you start to think about a question like this of what you want to be known for what type of legacy you want to live see this helps you to then uh, 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 push past a lot of your inhibitions It helps you to push beyond procrastination. It helps you to really move in a space that's intentional because you're saying, hey, at the end of my days, here's what I want to be known for. And it begins to push you towards making that happen. What do you want to be known for? See, for some of us, we can't even fat. We can't even look that far ahead. Like, you know what? Here's what I'm going to be known for. You know what? I am. Uh, you know, I got 25, 30 years left to make sure I leave an imprint in this world that matches with my ideal of what I want to be known for. What I want other people to be saying about me when I'm dead and gone. What are you going to be known for? See. I just hope that you're not going to be known for the person that all you did was smoke weed all day. I just hope you're not going to be the person that you be known for all you did was play the video games all day. I just hope you're not going to be the person that you know for all you all, they, all you're known for is being an alcoholic. What do you want to be known for? Your legacy that you leave behind? Quick word from our sponsor. And then the phone rang. And then the phone rang. Miss McCarty, the voice from the phone said in a soft, unapologetic tone. Have you given any consideration as to what you want done with your money? I mean, in the event of your passing. I hate to bring up the subject, but bank policy states that we address the issue with all of our customers in circumstances similar to yours. The tiny woman's heart began beating just a bit faster. A banker's question had given her the perfect opening that she had been silently praying about. Secretly, she had hoped to make a difference. Without skipping a beat, she gave a response that would inspire a nation and cross stereotypes throughout the South. Yes, I have, she replied. Leaning forward, staring at her hand, I want 10% to go to my relatives. I want 10% to go to my church. And I want the rest to go to the university. The university, The banker your question, That's right, the school right here in town, Southern Mississippi. I want the money to go to some child who needs it. I'm too old to get an education, but now they can. As a young woman in her 20s, McCarty began the diligent habit of saving, living frugally and refusing to withdraw any interest. Every week she deposited half her earnings. As a result, her nickels and dimes grew. Everybody putting accounts on oh, my nickels and dimes are growing. As a result, her nickels and dimes grew. From passbook savings to Christmas club accounts to savings bonds to certificates of deposit and eventually to a money market account. Only her banker knew that while McCarty was elbow deep in soapy water, she was knee deep in cash, having squirreled away a small fortune more than 250000 Dollar. Let me just let that sit there for just a second because we heard the, the start of the story of Miss Osceola McCartney uh, you know, the, the feeble woman that all she was known for was her work but while she was working those 70 years she was living below her means and she was saving every nickel and dime that she could and at this time that the bankers call and say, what do you want to do with your money? You and I may think she doesn't have much money at all. But she's amassed over a quarter million dollars washing clothes. Now, what does that say? Because again, now this is the part where we get a little education. It's not about what you do. It's not about how much you make. It comes down to how much You keep. And you're going to find stories like this over and over and over again to continue to debunk the myth that you got to have money to make money. No, no, no. You got to have discipline. Uh, You got to create the habit of saving. See, although Miss McCarty looked broke, she had habits of the wealthy and she was able to save her way to a small fortune. My question to you is if Ms. McCarty could do it, washing clothes uh, and, and drying them, hand washing clothes, and drying them in the back of her whatever, and getting paid pennies on a dollar to do it for 70 some odd years to the point that she got arthritis and all that good stuff, but she was disciplined with no education. If Miss McCarty could do it, can't you? If Miss McCarty could do it, hand washing clothes, making pennies on a dollar for her, making basically slave wages, although she wasn't a slave. But she was she was disciplined enough, she was smart enough, to, she was wise enough, smart enough to know, I gotta say. I gotta what? Pay myself first. Now she is just telling the banker, you know what? I'm just gonna do, just do what I've always done. Pay myself, right? So pay 10% goes to my relatives. That's paying herself, paying her relative. 10% goes to my church. I'm gonna pay my tithe. She's probably been doing this whole time anyway. And then the rest is gonna to go to fulfill someone else's dream who has the same dream that I had when I were their eight. I wanted to get an education, but I didn't get one. I had to take care of my uh, my, my the elderly and my, and my family. But I'm gonna make sure somebody else gets that education. And I hope that with that education comes the real education, which is that financial education. That no matter how much money you make, it's gonna come down to how much money you keep. And I wanna tell you brothers and sisters that until you capture that thought, until you recognize what we're saying here. It's very, it, it's not rocket science. But until you accept that truth, that it does not, it does not, it is not about how much you make, it's how much you keep. And will you decide to pay yourself first so you can you can you can work your way over time to build a small fortune, just like Miss Miss McCre- McCarty did. Until you grasp that one simple financial truth. that it doesn't matter, I don't care how much you make. What I care about is how much you're going to keep. What I care about is the discipline that you implement into your life to ensure that you're not broke. Most people won't do it. Matter of fact, more than 85% of the people won't do it. They'll spend what they should have saved at the lotto hoping to win riches. But they just won't simply practice a discipline, a daily discipline, be consistent in practicing a discipline that will ensure, just like Miss McCurry, that she'll never be broke. That she can leave something for some money, not just something, some money. And now we got a story. Now we got history that we can reflect on, say this woman here made $10 a bundle. That's damn near minimum wage. But she retired with a quarter million dollars. So if Ms. McCarthy could do it, why can't you? The problem that I find in our, in our society is everybody wanted just like that. Everybody want it quick. Nobody wants to go through the process. They want the money to fall in their lap. They want to find a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. They want to hit the lotto. Everybody wants it like that. They want to get the riches without the discipline. They want the blessing without the responsibility. Uh-uh. It doesn't work like that. And this is a bad thing that we're also teaching our children. We're going to reward our children although they don't display discipline or responsibility. That's a bad, bad thing to teach the next generation to continue to reward them for bad behavior. That's terrible. You're setting them up. You're setting your children up for failure. I do not want to be the one to tell you. Who am I? So $250,000, when I made my money every week, i take out so much for groceries and so much for bills and then put the rest in the bank. I didn't know the difference between the savings account and CDs, those things that get high interest, but I try to deal with people who do know. Now, how many of you guys got that big mama that she, she, she just seems to always have money. I mean, she doesn't spend it frivolously. She doesn't go on high on all these vacations and cruises and all this stuff. And she But she, but when you call her or him, it's typically Big Mama, though. I, I, that's why I found him out. I, I mean, you know, we do got some Big Poppers too, but, but it's typically Big Mama. When you call her and you in your rut, she just seems to have money that she can help you with. Because she been saving the nickels and the pennies and you've been spending the dollars and the quarters. How many guys how many guys have actually experienced that in your life like firsthand? Big mama and them, you know, grandma, uh big auntie, somebody like that. And, and it's like, it just seemed like, it's like, how do y'all got money? You know how they have money, even though they don't have a twenty-five-dollar-hour-paying job and they don't have fifty-dollar-hour-paying bills. You know how they got money because they live below their means and they pay, they save those nickels and those pennies. This is this is, finan- Listen, this is financial literacy 101. This is one of the main reasons why I don't really type, teach a whole bunch of financial literacy. You know why I don't do it anymore? Because it's about three different steps. I mean, it's not a long list of stuff. It's not. It's not like this deep, long conversation. or It's not like no eight-week course and no 20-week course. It ain't no five-year education that you got to get when it comes to what to do with money. It's about three things. It's about three. And if you master those three, you're going to be well off. Just like Miss McCrary. But if you fail to get those three or four, it ain't that many. It ain't going to take that long. It don't take four years of college where you got to have $160,000 in debt to learn about money. It's about three things. Three principles about, roughly. Give or take. And you just learn those, those disciplines. And you practice those disciplines. You are not going to be broke. You might look like you're broke. From uh, from the outside, looking at anybody like, you ain't got no money. That's because they think, oh, you ain't making no money, so you must ain't got no money. Everybody else, might, it don't matter what everybody else thinks. What matters is what your bank account says and what your bankers say. And then you could be like, hey, you say, you know what? <laughs> get 10% to my relatives, get get 10% to the church, and, and then, then give the rest of somebody else, bless somebody else. I, I ain't going to use the money when I'm going anyway. We're talking about a quarter of a million dollars built by saving nickels and dimes. If that's not powerful enough to get you to change your ways as it relates to your money, I don't know what's going to do. Let me say it again for the people in the back. We're talking about a quarter of a million dollars built through saving penny nickels and dimes. You understand what I'm saying? over time everybody putting guys on so overtime. not overnight you must get beyond the overnight mentality it doesn't happen overnight it happens over time who crair got me filed up miss McCrary. <laughs> I saw miss mccarty the Osceola McCarty Scholarship Fund bears the name of a woman. Look at that, got a scholarship fund named after her. It's a legacy here. The Osceola McCarty Scholarship Fund bears the name of a woman who, with little money and less education, think about what we're saying here. She make less money than you make today. She has a lower education than you have access to today, but she retired with over a quarter million dollars from saving nickels and dimes. What's your excuse? What's my excuse? What's our excuse? We don't have none. <laughs> okay. And she got a scholarship fund named after her. She's got a legacy at the in Mississippi with a name on it. Everybody put, put a guys put on my name on it. She got, she got a scholarship fund with her name on it. History, legacy. The Osceola McCarty Scholarship Fund bears the name of a woman who with little money and less education believes the solution to any problem can be found in hard work and the Bible. Her generosity has stirred the soul of a nation. When her donation was announced as largest single gift by an African-American to a Mississippi university, let me say that again, The largest single gift by an African American to a Mississippi university came from a woman who hand washed clothes, hung dried them on the line, who didn't have a whole bunch of numbers, and all she did was save nickels and dimes. Woo! But uh, uh, Oceola McCarty, the washerwoman, rose from obscurity to celebrity. Status in only a few short days, the national media picked up the story. She was featured on NBC and CNN and ABC and BET and in the New York Times, Washington Post, Newsweek and People Magazine. Her extraordinary act of selflessness created a domino effect on the hearts and pocketbooks other people far and wide from new york to california people have pledged to match her contribution it's more blessed to give than to receive McCarty said quietly clothing her beloved bible when i leave this world i can't carry nothing away from here i live where i want to live i couldn't drive a car or if if i had one this is what i plan to do years ago my race couldn't go to that college but now they can I can't do everything, she continued, but I can do something. Uh Uh-oh, all right, Mrs. McCarty, you better say that, girl. I can't do everything, but I can do something. Well, kings and queens, can't you do something, too? He said, I can't do everything. Matter of fact, I would venture to say you don't need to do everything. Don't even worry about doing everything. Just do something. Everybody put your guns on do something. Just do something. But I can do something to help somebody. And what I can do, I will do what I can do I will do now this philosophy of that I can't do everything but I can do something to help somebody and what I can do I will do now that right there is a whole is a is a baseline that some people need to adopt that what I can do I will do see here's what some here's what some people are what I can do I'll think about doing That's not, that's not Ms. McCarty. She said, what I can do, I will do. She doesn't have to think about it. She just goes and gets it done. But many of us, what I can do, I There may be some conditions with it. What, What I can do, I don't know quite know yet. That's not Ms. McCarty. Ms. McCarty said, what I can do, I will do. Period, point blank. What I can do, I will do. The only thing that I regret is that I didn't have more to give. Now that's very interesting. You just made the largest single donation or contribution or gift as a, by an African American to a Mississippi university. And you say that I regret that I couldn't give more. What character are we talking about here? The only thing that I regret is that I couldn't give more. Wait a second, Miss McCartney. I mean, you done saved this money up over the years, saving nickels and dimes. You done made the largest contribution by an African-American to this Mississippi University, and you got the audacity to say that you regret that you couldn't give more. And the people around you didn't give nothing until they seen it. They say I could be on TV with you. Let me go, Let me go and get on this train, up this giving train. A quarter of a million dollars. See, when you hear something like this, when you hear your history, where we came from, being able to make something out of nothing, and although it might not be glamorous, it's effective. If it this don't make you think a little, and it just don't make you pause for a moment and say, you know what? Let me go and see what I have. What is it that Hattie? What is it that Miss McCarty did, did that I'm not doing? Not what ERGJ is saying to do? What the heck did Miss McCarty do with her with her minimum wage job? And she got over $250,000 in the bank when she retired. And I look at where I'm at right now in my life, or whatever age you are, you look at your bank account, you look at how much you make it, and then you look at your bank account, your savings account, your retirement account, and then you ask yourself, am I on track? Am I on par? I mean, is something wrong? Because if Ms. McCarty could do it in the 50s, as a, as a, a washerwoman making minimum wage. And we over here begging for $15 an hour. We keep thinking that the more money that I make, the better of the life I'll have. I'm telling you, that's not the case. The more money that you save, the better the life you'll have. And Miss McCarty has given us a wonderful example of that. She didn't make a whole lot of money. But she retired rich. Let me say that again. She did not make a whole lot of money. Matter of fact, I would venture to say if she did make a whole lot of money, if she had not developed the disciplines of wealth, she she would have been broke. But it wasn't about how much she made. It was the disciplines that she exhibited over her lifetime that helped her to amass over a quarter million dollars in the 1950s, making minimum wage. Recognition hasn't changed McCarty one bit. She still works harder than most and never asks others to do something she hasn't done or wouldn't do for herself. She's as comfortable with the president and celebrities as she is with the common folk. She still clings to the values that lie near and dear to her heart as she quietly goes about performing acts of kindness and generosity. Sharing the wealth that she has earned while helping others to achieve levels of success they never dreamed possible unfazed by it all. She still sits in her little frame house blocks from the college and patiently greets reporters and business and civic leaders who are lined up outside her door. She truly answers to a higher calling. Many ask the same question she hears over and over. Why didn't you spend the money on yourself? I am spending it on myself, she replies with the sweetest of smiles. As you study Osceola McCarty's life, Read about it not with envy but with joy and anticipation. The principles she practiced, the success qualities she developed are yours for the taking. The keys to her greatness and that of many others are contained within these pages. You need only to grasp them and apply them in your life. Principles, everybody putting the comments on principles. The principles she practiced Right? The success qualities, right? Put qualities. The success qualities she developed. These are the same principles. These are the same qualities that you and I can choose to take a chance on developing for ourselves. And as you think about her making minimal wage, you probably don't make minimum wage. Just think about how much money you'll have in your in your bank account when you retire if you pick up these principles and you pick up these and you develop these qualities and you start that process today not tomorrow not next week not next year if you practice these principles and you develop these qualities starting today say this one last thing because many of us we have this fantasy maybe i think if you're like many people that I know of i want to be a millionaire billionaire whatever it's a a fantasy it's like a pie in the sky moment but i want to tell you if you don't practice these principles and if you don't develop these qualities you might get a million dollars that come through your hand but you will not retire a millionaire you will still retire broke. It's not about how much money you make. It is all about how much money you keep by practicing the McCarty principles, what we're gonna call them, and developing the McCarty qualities. I'm gonna put some respect on her name. That's what I'm going to do. Miss Osceola McCarty, as you see, we're getting, we getting juiced up for this chapter here in the, in the New Black, and what makes the great great. We're talking about, again, guys, uh, What the greatest story ever told. We're talking about leaving a legacy. And that legacy, guys, that we leave is more than just money. Money is a part of it. But there are other things obviously, I hope, that you want to leave as well. Predominantly a good name, right? You want want some respect on your name? Leave a good name. That you're a person that was of integrity, of character, that you honored your word, that you were kind and sweet and all that good stuff. A good name is a legacy to leave. Some money quarter million dollars, half a million dollars, million dollars, you can leave that too. But I believe you can get there by practicing the McCarty Principles and developing the McCarty Quality. It's the New Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. If you put in a book, we absolutely will find it. I'm your host, ERGJ, your certified financial educator, and we invite you to join the Black Billionaires Club. Get connected with brothers and sisters who are serious about winning with money, serious about success, and super serious about helping you to accomplish your goals and to build your dreams. Check out the website at www.TheBlackBillionSClub.com www.TheBlackBillionSClub.com You can find that link in the description above or below. Make a decision to change the rest of your life. We'd ask that you would subscribe and support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes, to improve financial literacy within our community, and ultimately to help us to build the School of Wealth. To build an institution that will teach the next generation about money. And your small monthly contribution can make all the difference. Well, say, well, we want to say thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the New Black Wall Street Book Club. And we want you to remember this that it takes a village and it starts with us. Let's build as we climb together. We all we got, people. And thank God that that's more than enough. Until next episode, you know what time it is. Mr. DJ, hit the music.
0: New, new, new black, new, it's the New Black Wall Street Book Club. Wall Street. With your host, Evan Jefferson. Evan Jefferson. It's time for us to go. Yeah. Now, you ain't got to a the computer, but we encourage you to get out there and learn and apply all the things you learn at the New Black Wall Street. Book Club, Book Club (laughs) Yeah